one thing we sometimes don't talk about with some of these bigger streaming platforms is that, you know, it's a different business model. It's not necessarily about making money back. It's about brand. They're building their brand. And when you're an established filmmaker, you are a brand that they want to partner with to help build their own brand. But with newer filmmakers, newer voices, you don't have a brand. You need to build that brand. Hey, welcome to CC Talk Talk, a podcast where we see and talk about life and its stories through games, books, songs, but mostly movies. Today's episode, we're going to look at the rights and wrongs of streaming platforms. Yeah, that place that you go to binge, or in most cases, cringe. Where the top 10 movies can include 365 Days and Bird Box, while movies made for the big screens are lost. Netflix started it, Disney Plus tried its luck, and now we have HBO Max with all of Warner Brothers' regrets. The pain is real, and our layers will be peeled. So, I think it's important to start that when we say Netflix, we don't specifically, well, not always mean Netflix itself, but they are a very good prime example of a streaming platform, yeah? They are easily the biggest, uh, most influential, the most subscription, so obviously we're going to mention them more than any other platform. And I think to start, it would be great that Delton here shares with us his recent foray into Netflix films. No. <laughs> I thoroughly regretted watching two of these movies so close to one another. So I saw two Netflix movies. The first one was The Last Days of American Crime, and the other one was, uh, everyone knows about this one, uh, 365 Days. Uh, um, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you haven't, 365 Days was really popular during the quarantine period. It was number uh, one. Yeah. Netflix went worldwide. Worldwide for, a, for <laughs> nearly a month. Like We'll get to that soon. Uh, yeah. No, <laughs> so how was it? I mean, you watched them. I didn't watch it because I didn't want to waste my time. I'm just going to briefly start off with the first one. Okay. Do you remember watching uh, Taken 2 or Taken 3 with Liam Neeson? Uh, I didn't. Because I didn't want to waste my time again. <laughs> <laughs> Taken 1, yes. Taken 2 and 3, no. <laughs> right, so Taken 3, I think people would know that uh, Liam Neeson jumps a fence and he took yeah, about that's the one. 20 different cuts. Yeah, so Netflix basically gave ton of money to this director yeah. and he decided I'm going to make my magnum opus so he made this movie about a group of bank robbers trying to have one last score uh, right before the US government implants a Wi-Fi wave or something that stops anyone from performing any sort of crime so that, that's the plot of The Last sure, Days of America sure why not why not I guess yeah. so, why not yeah so that's the plot of The Last Days of America but of how America was crime. it pulled off it was very bad very 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 bad it was boring it was boring it was badly acted it was badly directed i can't say that anything has improved okay but sure. not enough to save the movie this is easily one of the worst films i've seen all year and this has been a very bad year for movies both in terms of quality and in terms of release i mean just hearing you describe it is a bit of a painful like thing. none of the characters are likable none of the story beats make sense none of the characters like character development instead of zero it goes the opposite direction you hate these people hey if it's a director's intention <laughs> yeah but you know i'm not i cannot imagine other people spending two and a half hours of this this movie is two and a half hours long you know you think taken two and three were bad wait till you see two and a half hours of this Aye. is there a sequel plan Oh, no, thankfully no, no, thankfully no. It's actually based off a graphic novel, which I haven't read. Oh, I heard, by all accounts, it's alright, it's yeah, not bad. Yeah. But, uh, man, the, the movie was not good. It did, it did not make me want to read the graphic novel. How about 365 Days? That one, okay, whatever I just said about the last days of American crime, I owe that movie an apology after watching 365 Days. This this makes <laughs> this movie makes Fifty Shades of Grey look like Ice White Shut. That's how bad. I absolutely, in good faith, cannot recommend this movie to anyone at all because there is zero redeeming value. Not, I'm not mentioning the the plot, which makes no yeah. sense. I'm also yeah. mentioning the. Uh, I'm particularly highlighting the frankly disgusting treatment of women in the film yeah. like very very bad i think this sets back strong female characters in movies back about a hundred years shows like this it's like we are devolving as a species yeah exactly <laughs> we're devolving and you just mentioned in your last podcast you yeah. know 50 shades darker 
was like number one in Malaysia for that particular period, like three weeks a month, right? Uh, what Dr. is saying is that if you didn't know, during the first week of lockdown, the top 10 movies included Fifty Shades. Uh, well, all three of them were in. Uh, it's pretty crazy. I'm not surprised it's just three of them. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the fact that maybe, okay, fine, maybe it's not Netflix we chose the top 10 recommended movies, but there, there has been cases that Netflix has pushed films like this, even though it's not good. So, for example, like 365 Days. So, here's the problem in Netflix, right? We're not saying that it's a bad platform. Uh, no, we're not. We're yeah, not. by all means, it's great that it's making films accessible to many, many people. It's really easy to get on it. It's a fair price to pay for what you can get. That's on the consumer side. Yeah. Uh, nothing against the people behind Netflix. Yeah. I think they're doing a bang-up job financially. Yeah. And f- to whoever decided to give complete creative control to the filmmakers, the directors who want to get their dream project fulfilled. Yeah. Props props to you guys, man. Seriously, yeah. without you guys, we wouldn't have like Roma, we wouldn't yeah. have The Irishman. Yeah. Uh, we marriage would, Story. We wouldn't have Marriage Story. Yeah, Bamba. Exactly. So, what they do is great, um, giving these creators freedom. But at the same time, for better or for worse, this freedom, like with 365 days and... The other one that Dalton mentioned. <laughs> I don't even want to Yeah, that's the problem there. And they push these films, be it Roma or Irishman or Three Hundred Sixty Five Days or Fifty Shades of Darker. They just push anything they want to push. And when I mean push, what I mean is that they make it appear on their homepage. So when you log on to uh, Netflix, you see like almost the whole screen will be taken up by this film that they recommend, and. Because it's a Netflix original content, they created it. They will push it no matter what you watch. So like my wife, she watches Korean dramas on Netflix mainly. That and then if I come in to use it, sometimes I watch uh, things like the Toys and Maiders and some documentaries here and there. But somehow a movie like Three Hundred Sixty Five Days gets recommended to us on our main page. With a 95% under his name. And if you didn't know, yes, that 95% is not the Rotten Tomatoes score. They don't state it, but they don't even explain it. But if you actually take the time to, to figure out what this 95% means, it actually means that it's matched for you. So that your algorithm is trying to tell you that, hey, this movie is suitable for you. But how and why when I don't even watch this? <laughs> I don't get it. I never, I'm not one for Fifty Shades and that kind of show. You, you do realise though that if you click on 365 days or you or if you start playing the movie, the algorithm will be affected. Yes, yeah, so that's what I did. <laughs> I, I, just for the heck of it, after, okay, if, if I, I really don't want to do an episode on 365 days. If you want, just go to YouTube or just Google it and check out the reviews and you understand why we despise this movie, right? It's not just a bad movie. The messages in there are bad. Like what Delton said, it paints a really bad uh, image of women. Not just women, just as people as human a whole. Beings yeah, human, human beings as a whole. It's a fundamentally corrupt film. I cannot endorse it in any way, shape or form. Yes. Everything is objectified. Everything is about sex. It's just crazy. So anyway, I just clicked on it just to see like the first 10 minutes of it, like, at least if it's a Disney short movie or not. And the next thing I know, when I go to my search <laughs> list on Netflix, a whole load of semi... <laughs> I don't know what they call it, semi-porn films or what. Erotic. Yeah. Erotic films. Everything. All the, and it's, they're not being coy about it. The preview pictures are like half-nude women with half-nude men and they are like, in suggestive positions. Oh my god, just by watching like 5 minutes of the movie and my whole search list goes crazy and I don't understand as a consumer, right? I'm not conservative at all but to see all the preview pictures and the content that Netflix has and they actually push it, I can't grain it because Netflix has such a big reach to people they have millions of subscribers and to know that this kind of content is being pushed not just being shown, it's being pushed and that's a huge difference there. To this, to the people, it's just crazy because I can't see how it's going to be good for society. I don't get it. Well, on uh, one side, if you do click on it, uh, and especially if you are sharing a Netflix account with your family, you have a lot of explaining to do when your, <laughs> uh, 
wife or your mother or your father decides, hey, I'm bored, I want to see Netflix, and they see what's recommended to and, you. And you see, this is the problem. <laughs> Th- there's another great movie that I watch on Netflix, which is Claus, K L A U S. Oh, the, the, the yeah, movie. the Christmas animated show is really good. But that movie was not recommended to me when I watch a several anime. I even watched Studio Ghibli on my Netflix account. But Claus never appeared on my recommended list, hmm. never appeared on my search list until I manually typed K-L-A-U-S. You had to get, go out of your way to yeah. search for it. and it's a damn good show, like Pixar-level animation in terms of story and animation. And after I watched that show, I didn't get any other animation recommendation. Hmm. Why? But then when I watch 5 minutes of 365 days, I get a butt full of semi-porn content. I don't get it. And that's, that's my problem with Netflix. Why do they push certain content? Why do they not push certain content? I just don't get it. When you have a really good show like Claws, for example, they don't. But then when you have a good show like Roma or Irishman, which stands a chance to win an award, they push it. Because, well, yeah, it's good for the Netflix name if they win an award, right? And if, okay... I love Netflix for its series. I think a streaming platform is perfect for series that weekly launch, the weekly episode that comes out every week. It's perfect for it. But my problem here with Netflix is when it comes to movies. I think if if you love the cinema like we both do, watching a movie on a TV screen in most setups, most home setups where it's just a normal TV with a normal stereo or mono speaker, (laughs) it's horrible. You really take away a lot of the movies magic yeah. yeah Sorry for the rant But Oh man <laughs> I, Like I said very early on The layers will be peeled Because It's horrible I As much as I Appreciate and respect What Netflix does For making films And series accessible But The amount of rubbish In there is also Really high And there's sometimes So much noise Where Indie filmmakers Like Lulu Wang Which We quoted at the very beginning Of the episodes They don't get a chance Because when Netflix decides to push 365 days and throw it all over the homepage and billboards, a smaller film by an indie filmmaker stands no chance to fight against it. You could make the argument that they are actually, you know, putting it as a marketing tactic. Yeah. Saying, hey, you know, it, as the saying goes, unfortunately, you know, sex sells. Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, so they decide, you know, let's drum this up because they know people are going to be watching it no matter what. Yeah. Just like, you know, Fifty Shades, why is it number one? and 365 days happens to be number one around the world so they push all similar kinds of content related to that movie because they know people will click they know people will watch because it sells yeah you know like same goes for those Oscar bait movies that you mentioned earlier you know especially during award season they know that sells well so they push it during that particular period but that's crazy right because here is Netflix they understand what sells for better or for worse again mm-hmm. and because of that if you actually watch Netflix shows you get a lot of sex in it sometimes unnecessary sex oh, yeah, I, have to agree. I mean sometimes I understand some movies or shows when the characters fall in love and they want to use sex to show how how much they love each other that's fine and it happens in real life so hey movies are like reflections of life right but when you watch Netflix shows right, you, you and if you watch enough you really realise that why is it even necessary? It's just showing sex just for the sake of sex. And not just sex, a lot of blood, or a lot of vulgarity. Really, you just watch any Netflix original and you will get these three almost 90% of the time. Now that you mention it, right, it got me thinking. Because of the way, not global cinema as a whole, but in particular Hollywood, American yeah. cinema, like ever since the superhero movie Rain, you know, Spider-Man, Avengers, all that, American cinema has been said by some to actually be, you know, they've become soft. Yeah. Mostly PG-13 blockbusters that, you know, mostly play safe. The R-rated stuff has to be comic-related or it has to be independent. You would not have, like, a, a major studio budget backing these movies up. This, like, R- like middle-budget, R-rated, mature films with big stars. Yeah. It rarely flies with uh, major American studios today. So that's why... When Netflix comes out, it's like, oh, the floodgates are open. We can do whatever the hell we want. And like you described, excessive sex, yeah. excessive violence, just for the sake of yeah. being excessive. Rarely does just it... Just to sell it. Yeah, That's just to sell it. Just rarely, to sell it. 
rarely does it relate to the actual content theme of the title that they're yeah. playing you know be it a show or a movie or a TV series yeah. it's just like look at how extreme we can go you know yeah. without any sort of consequence doesn't to the film. serve the story at exactly all. yeah they're just slapping it on because like hey maybe if we don't have a sex scene people won't watch this show but hey if we have a steamy hot sex scene with two known actors and actress and then we put it in a preview picture people will watch it and if you think like I'm joking about this I'm not because if you just take the time to go and google it you can see that Netflix does it to market its films it's crazy and it's allowed to happen and no one is well you can't stop them anyway <laughs> but that's the funny thing right you would think that in at least in Malaysia where censorship and well things are very sensitive and when if you go to the cinemas you know how poorly or badly things get censored oh yeah very but on Netflix where it reaches almost every home in the country at least in the urban areas nothing is being done to censor it yeah I'm sure yes the parents are there to filter for the children you can say that like every other content out there yes but still that it comes to a point where you have to really wonder or question what kind of content is being pushed to the younger audience who do not know how to filter themselves maybe not children but maybe like teenagers you don't have to censor but it's just like everything in life right sometimes when you're at a certain age and you get exposed to certain things you don't know how to process it yourself and let's say if you go online to Netflix 10 movies up there has like a semi-naked dude <laughs> or girl and they're all in sexual positions you would think that's normal and that's normalizing things that shouldn't be normalized especially if you get a movie like 365 days that endorses rape culture <laughs> oh boy. and it's okay. number one whether really it is number one or not and for Netflix to push it there I mean it has to really be questioned uh, mm-hmm. I can't not question it you can say that yeah it's just number one more everyone watches it but if that's the case then if some if everyone kills other people then hey everyone's killing everyone it's normal it's fine <laughs> so you can't I can't I can't take it as something to be normalized <laughs> Again, when you say uh, people are killing everyone and, and it's fine, it's a side effect of the American film sensibilities. Like, oh, sex is a big no-no in American cinema, yeah. even before the superhero boom came. But uh, yeah, violence, yeah, violence is fine. It's PG, PG, 13 rated. But when you take into account everything as a whole, I mean, it's the parents' responsibility to yeah. know what their kids are watching and what age that they're okay with it. And, you know, rated R in America means you know like under 17 needs parental guidance to watch it yeah. it does not mean uh, you know no children under 17 can be allowed to see this film you know so again the responsibility is towards the adult guardians of that children yeah. who are watching the show is it my responsibility to let them watch the show yeah. as long as I'm with them you know that's what being good parenting is yeah. to make sure what movie your child will be influenced yeah. by and if you know that your child's okay with it uh, probably mentally strong enough to handle yeah. it then it shouldn't be an issue and I think okay to be fair if, if that I'm really sure someone out there say hey you're not parents how will you know <laughs> right doesn't matter because <laughs> let's say if my younger sibling is going to watch it and I feel like oh my god this is endorsing rape culture I shouldn't let my younger sibling watch it so you don't need to be a parent per se to know or think about this you can just be a friend who to a right. younger friend or younger sibling mm-hmm. and sometimes really you just have to wonder what's right or wrong to be watched by yeah. someone who doesn't know how to absorb and process on their own I'm not saying everything needs to be censored or filtered but there needs to be a, a line that's a thin true. line yeah it's a very thin, thin line and this is where Netflix, I feel, as being so influential and powerful, they should do some gatekeeping. Like every other news outlet, I mean, in a way, I can see Netflix as being a news outlet. Yeah, they're not uh, sharing news and facts, but to a lot of people, movies are windows to the world. What they see in movies is what they learn and the values that are taught is what they will pick up and apply in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm like that. I, I actually learned quite a bit of uh, life, what's wrong and right on movies. Right. So Netflix, 
considering they are rich, they hold the power to influence people. They really do. Especially they even share documentaries, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so there will be a point where they should start gatekeeping a little bit. If not, at least put maybe a, a disclaimer or a warning up front what it is about. But hey, actually that doesn't work because well, if you tell people not to watch it, they will want to watch it. <laughs> so it doesn't work that way anyway. Oh my god, man. But okay, then let's say if you take away aside all this um, sex and violence, let's just talk about the quality of the movies. <laughs> okay, let's just take all that away because maybe we've gone on too much about right, censoring. Right. Yeah. So one movie that I watched at the time I remember was Bird Box. The one that with Sanjay oh, Bullock. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> the best way I can describe it is a poor, poor... Quiet place. You think that's bad? Wait till you see the silence, which is. Yeah, I know. You told me. About <laughs> no, God. You were saying. Yeah. So, be- so before we can even step into hell, let's just step onto earth first. <laughs> yeah. So a quiet place is like heaven, and then, bird box is earth. It's bad, and the, my problem here is that, if you remember back when bird box was released. The posters were everywhere. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not even posters, like billboards on the yeah. side of the highway. Yeah. Anything that has the Netflix logo was probably accompanied with Sandra Bullock's face and the bird box title. So the hype was big. It, mm. And because A Quiet Place came out, I think maybe half a year before that. Right. And it was really successful, really good movie. So when everyone was craving for something similar, that kind of horror where it's not ghost horror, but... The thrill right is there and it's really smart the concept of a quiet place. So Bird Box came out and oh look, instead of you can't make noise, you can't see. <laughs> sure, sure, why not? I mean maybe seriously, why not? I can get along with that. But when you watch the movie, oh my it it wasn't executed well. Let's say if a quiet place had nine out of ten playing with the sensors and the thrill, it was only a two out of ten in Bird box. <laughs> the other eight, if you ask me what is it about, it's just people in a house. The typical who do I not trust, who do I trust zombies so and Yeah, it's just the typical thing, nothing unique about it. So here's the problem. Bird box is an average and best movie, but it was marketed and pushed as the best movie. So I don't know, as a consumer, I am so lost with this. Here's the thing. A quiet place, still a better movie by the way has Emily Blunt and her husband John Krasinski, yeah. right? Yes. I mean, they both are very good, talented stars. Bird Box has Sandra Bullock. Yeah, which who, is more popular, yeah, more successful. Sandra Bullock, yeah, an A-lister, everybody yeah. knows her. You know, yeah. Almost everybody will know her, so yeah. that's why you see her name plastered yes. everywhere because they know Sandra Bullock sells. To a point where I dare say that more people actually know about Bird Box than they know about The Quiet Place. Oh I'm not even kidding. Because uh, why I say this is because <laughs> running an indie cinema, well, at least in Malaysia, when I ask my customers, they actually know Bird Box more than they know A Quiet Place. Because A Quiet Place, when it came out, it wasn't marketed huge. It was marketed fairly average. And people talked about it and the word of mouth spread. Right. So unlike Bird Box, which was full-on marketing hype, that's why it's actually so-called more known and more popular than A Quiet Place even though A Quiet Place is the better movie and I'm not just saying this just because I'm trying to be smart about it you just watch it and you know (laughs) so when when the customers come to your shop when you recommend them Quiet Place you you tell them oh it's like Bird Box but But better no (laughs) but good Uh, but good I think but good not but better because by saying better you will imply that Bird Box was actually Worthwhile, which is not, it's really not worthwhile. Oh man, so right, it's so confusing because as a consumer, there you have a movie, Bird Box, where everyone's talking about it. The posters and trailers and billboards yeah. everywhere. Sandra Bullock, a big name, is in there, and her movies are usually good. And then you have a quiet place, which is not everywhere, but really good. So this is where I feel that Netflix should come in as maybe some form of gatekeeper. And you know, I'm not saying not to show, just to play good movies. Sometimes you need to watch average movies or sometimes bad movies can be enjoyable too, cult classics. Everyone loves a bad movie once in a while, but they push it like it's the best movie ever and a good movie, A Quiet Place, which is also available on Netflix, isn't being pushed. So 
there comes that conundrum where Netflix should be encouraging quality films, not just films they made. That bias of them just pushing films they make is so strong. Again, I understand because they made the film, they of course want their films to be watched. Right, yeah. But then what happens to us if we only watch things that the companies want us to watch and they control what we watch? Then where do we go? I don't then, know. Then we, get, <laughs> then we get more bird boxes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that is perfect. That is actually really perfect because, well, the company will say, hey, look, a movie like A Quiet Place didn't only got like maybe 500,000 views. But a movie like Bird Box got 5 million views. Mm-hmm. And no one, I mean, if this goes on in the future and it's looked back, no one will take the effort to think about no lies because A Quiet Place didn't get a marketing and Bird Box got a market. No one will break it down because corporates will be corporates. They will just look at numbers and like, hey, look, look at the views. That's it. We need to make more Bird Box. And that is a big problem there. You complain you about Bird Box potential sequel. Yeah, 365 days has two more sequels on the way. Lord have mercy. So this is where we put in a moment of silence. Oh my goodness, dude. Okay. I, I cannot... I mean, I, I have no answer to this, but I have so much questions and so much concerns about where this will be heading to. I can't see the end of the tunnel or the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I think we just got into the tunnel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, way it's, it's really bad. <laughs> and uh, in a way, it's not okay. So, <laughs> I, I brought up the fact that companies will decide on numbers, and you and you will argue that yes, even studios have been doing it with movies that come out in cinemas. Can't deny it; it happens. Right. But here's the thing: when it comes out in the cinema, the cinema can't push it to you as much as Netflix can push to mm-hmm. its viewers. So this is why I, I, I said earlier where Netflix has such a strong influence. In a way, kudos, full respect to Netflix for building such a strong reputation to be able to influence people. And a strong audience. Yeah, and a strong audience. Mm. But there again comes, I mean, it's just like being a superhero. With great power comes great responsibility. Right. And I feel that Netflix should take that and fully embrace that power that they have. I'm not saying they're bad, I really respect what they do, but they really should be more responsible with what they push to their audience. No problem having a whole library of raunchy, sex-based movies, no problem. (laughs) But maybe only push it when it's good or it has some good values or maybe a very intriguing, uh, one-of-a-kind plot like Eyes Wide Shut. No problem. But when you push absolute rubbish, I'm sorry for calling... 365 is absolute rubbish but it really is absolute rubbish when it is rubbish you have to recognise that it is and acknowledge it is rubbish I, I, I at least wanted it to be you know like trashy good like yeah. the kind of trash which is actually enjoyable but yeah, no yeah. even I couldn't enjoy the film but going back to what you said yeah. about you know people having that choice that, mm. that, level, of, that level of choice mm. when they're at the cinema as mm. opposed to you know Netflix pushing it here and there because in cinemas, you have to pay with your money, whether digital or mm. you know currency. You you will still have to go through that final process yeah. of approving payment. Whereas for Netflix, all the titles are already available to you yeah. at your convenience. Yeah. You could basically pick and play. You know, no consequence if you decide to stop and go for the other. Yeah. Whereas for you know physical movie theaters or DVDs or whatever, you pay for it. You make your choice. You have to. Go with yeah, it to it's the commitment. End. Commitment, you know. Yeah. Netflix doesn't have that. Netflix is like, hey, we have all these great selections. If you don't like it, you can always pause and watch another one of our titles without any consequence yeah. because it's all included in this big membership yeah. package bundle, whatever. And that's why I probably would think some, not all, some audiences may be a bit spoiled yeah. for choice. It is a problem because. Some, some movies are not easy to watch or it's a slow burn where it only pays off at the very end mm-hmm. and I think we all know too well that these days the audiences have a very low attention span so when movies that are slow or pays off at the very end or it's very heavy they don't get I, want to, I don't want to say a fair chance but that's the only word that comes to my head they don't get a fair chance to prove itself to the audience mm-hmm. you know 
I'm like what Dalton said, it's, it's too easy for you as an audience to Hey, I, I'm getting bored, I'm just going to pause it's or th- fast forward you, you take it for granted Yeah, because some movies, it's just like life You need to give it your time and your energy And it will reward you at the end of it I mean a good one is supposed to <laughs> At least it's supposed to No, 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 the bad ones will reward you too But yeah. just not the way that you were it ex- it intended <laughs> <laughs> So that's the problem with Netflix also I mean aside from all the things that we just talked about The censorship, the recommendation, the way they push uh, Dalton brought up a really good point where We as an audience can take movies for granted too easily on Netflix That's why when earlier I said for series for episodes, sure, no problem. But for movies, which requires the audience to give the movie what the movie gives to the audience, a lot of things are not there. <laughs> I, I'm at loss of words because it's such a big question to ask this. Uh, it's such a big problem which we currently do not have the answers for because we haven't reached the end of <laughs> this story arc that we are in. <laughs> The Netflix takeover, thanks COVID. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, because as you all know, recently, uh, beloved theaters will now uh. have to endure a longer period of time because a lot of big movies have been pushed to the next year. Yeah. So, it's unfortunate for me to say that uh, we'll be facing a longer period of uh, increased Netflix viewership. Yeah. Not just yeah. Netflix. Uh, Disney Plus is on the way. Yeah. Apple TV is now on the horizon. Yep. So HBO Max. HBO Max, yes. Ooh, you, Snyder Cut. <laughs> Snyder Cut. Enthusiasm, 99. Snyder Cut, I'm waiting for the A-year cut. <laughs> no, dude. You know it's going to happen, right? Uh, he, the way he's posting it up on social media, it's, it's, it's going to happen. I'm just waiting for the day he says yes. I say, I'm not surprised. <laughs> no, I, I, I disagree with all these cuts and all. I mean, if you want to release a product, you release it as a final product. I mean, just imagine if you buy an iPhone and it's missing the lock screen button. And then Apple tells you six months later, hey guys, we forgot about the lock screen. Come back to the shop and we'll give you a free lock button. Gold chrome plated lock button. That doesn't make sense. If you release a product, especially, okay, if you're a small company, maybe it can happen. But if you're a big, successful company, and you release a product, <laughs> you have to release it in completion or else, why do you even release it? Just take another few more months to complete okay, to, it. To another rent for another episode. Another episode. I, I'm not going to defend the quality of Justice League and Suicide Squad and yeah, sure. the, the theatrical versions that came out yeah. years ago. But I'm going to cut David Ayer and Zack Snyder some slack because yeah, uh, news, news came out recently that they faced a lot of production issues, especially yes. with the producers, yes. um, certain misconduct and yeah. how they handle things on set, not leading you know, Ayer and Snyder yeah. to have final word. Yeah. So for me, like, I, I actually am in favour of both cuts. Because I am, I, I like to see a director's vision be fulfilled. I like to see a director get final cut on what he has to say. You know, because yeah. without that level of freedom, we wouldn't have Blade Runner the final cut. I mean, I'm not comparing Blade Runner yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to no. To I'm happy for the directors. Yeah. I'm really happy for their vision to finally be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But the problem here is that, in a way, the director and the studio, our team. They should have worked together to decide on this. Correct, I yes. agree. With that. And here is, uh, especially for the Snyder Cut and ASK, actually, both of them, Warner Brothers were being assholes to them. I no, mean, no, 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 Warner Brothers. Uh, certain producers are not the studio as a whole. Well, yeah. but they're still under Warner true, Brothers' paycheck. True, true. And if Warner Brothers wanted to step in, they could have, but they didn't. And mm-hmm. actually, if you if you read about it, Justice League was released because they had a bonus paycheck if they release it on time. Wow. So they screw quality for that bonus paycheck. Well, they really screwed Zack Snyder. Yeah. Wow. See, so and then they regretted it because well, it wasn't great, and they realized that fans demanded and really want the Snyder cut, even if it might be bad or good, we do not know. They had like maybe two years of campaigning for yeah. it. <laughs> and here it is, one of the brothers like, hey, yeah, let's launch our new streaming platform with this movie that everybody wants. It's honestly a brilliant marketing move. Yes. But very questionable in so many ways. <laughs> so, so many ways. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney will release like a recut of The Last Jedi. No, no. 
Disney would release a recut of Adam's Foul. Oh. <laughs> that's not that's not yeah, that's, that's, not to that's another oh rabbit hole. <laughs> but oh yeah. I would actually prefer it if they released it on Blu-ray. Yeah. The, the, the Snyder cut. Yeah, of why not? Yeah. But then they will argue that this is the new Blu-ray. Streaming is the new Blu-ray. It's not the same. <laughs> I, they will I, argue I, I wholeheartedly disagree. It's not the same. You know, it's like yes, again, back to my point of convenience. You know, yeah. Yes. It's at the touch of your it's at the touch of your fingertips, you know, you can just press and play. But at the same time, you know, I'd rather have a physical copy that I can put in at any time that I like and be able to, you know, watch a movie in the highest quality and sound available. And I'm not knocking Netflix yeah. uh, sound and audio and visual quality. Both, yeah. they actually have, have done a damn good job. Yeah, for streaming. For yes. streaming, yes, to making it sound as immersive as possible. Yeah. But there's always going to be a little bit of... Uh, know a lot of people would argue no we have fast we have very yeah. fast internet speeds you know yeah. but i say no i'd rather have complete total immersion in it i like to actually see feel hold the movie that i i'm yeah, actually yeah. watching uh, in front of my eyes so you know blu-rays is always going to be number one for me but here's the thing if netflix and all these streaming platforms are being run as a business right mm-hmm. well i like to believe that they run it to provide good content instead of earning money but at the end of the day everyone needs to earn money mm-hmm. so here's the thing Warner Brothers can tell you that look I only sell 1 million Blu-rays but on streaming platforms I can get 3 million viewers so they will definitely want to keep this Snyder Cut right. which everybody is so eager for and throw it into their streaming platform so that all the Netflix subscribers will give their streaming platform a chance Yeah. and then Warner Brothers can even come in and say that Hey look, I'm trying to give this Snyder Cut as many eyeballs as possible. I'm actually helping it get more exposure. <laughs> so, oh my god, the, the, this they line is such a thin line. They're giving, they're giving themselves exposure. They're not, not necessarily the Snyder Cut. <sighs> yeah, exactly. So, like what Lulu Wang said, right? I really think she captured it perfectly. All these streaming platforms has a brand that they want to build. And whatever way they can used to build that brand they will mm. a successful director a big hyped about recut like this Snyder's Justice League they will use it to push their streaming platform because at the end of the day that's what they want mm-hmm. that streaming platform subscription they just needed a big push yeah and the Snyder cut is that push yes and talking about numbers this is something that I've always wondered because before well at least before Disney and Warner Brothers started their own streaming platform it was only Netflix, right? I mean, before this. And there was a lot of talk that Netflix can compete with studios like Disney and Warner Brothers. Again, before they themselves had their own streaming platform. Mm-hmm. So this is why I believe that Netflix is treading a very fine road right now. I think if you give them maybe five years, I would say that Netflix has a very high possibility of dying. Why I say this, yeah, why I say this is because Let's say there's only 100 people in the world, let's just say. And, well, if you just take a good rough guess, I would say 70 out of the 100 people will subscribe to Netflix. Mm-hmm. There will probably be another 30 people out there who just can't be bothered about TV. So let's say these 7 out of 10 people have already subscribed to Netflix. And there's just no one else on earth to subscribe to Netflix. So Netflix has reached a cap, right? They don't release their movies in cinemas. Mm-hmm. So they reach a cap, they only can earn from these 7 people. Where else, a studio like Disney, who actually released their movies on cinemas, they can earn from that seven people, and those seven people, if they like the movie enough, they might even convince the three people who can't be bothered about watching movie to watch the movie. Mm. And if all of them like the movie enough, they will pay again a ticket fee to rewatch the movie again in the cinema. And then if they have their own <laughs> streaming platforms like they do now, people might even pay again to the streaming platforms to rewatch those movies at home. So this is where Netflix has a problem with. I, I really was just thinking about this because their users can watch their movies as many times as they want on just one account. And you, we all know that we share accounts more than one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when we do that, Netflix are losing eyeballs and subscription fees. So Netflix has a very limited income compared to the bigger studios. And from what I understand, Netflix has taken the effort to start producing their own films in the last few years, their own production. The thing is, they don't have a production house, if I'm not mistaken. And even though if they do, there's no way in hell that they can compete with Disney's production team. No way. 
because they have been doing this for years they have the resources they have all the third party teams the CGI teams the makeup crew right. whatever you need they have it whereas Netflix don't so this is where I can't see how Netflix is going to go like it's a marathon stretch right? right before this it was a sprint and Netflix was killing it but if you go on a marathon I can't see how Netflix will match this this, this isn't a marathon this is a tri- triathlon yeah I can't yeah. imagine because oh, actually yeah that's a perfect example mm. right because mm. Netflix is good at sprinting yeah but when you need to swim you need to climb you need to jump hurdles which Netflix mm. does not have the resource to do yeah. whereas Disney and Warner Bros has been doing it forever mm. how will Netflix compete I can't imagine because like you raise a very good point with how you know Netflix does not have a, like its own production house yeah like look at Disney and Disney Plus. Yeah. With the exception of Artemis Fowl, nearly every other Disney Plus movie has been quite well received. Yeah. You know, because the filmmakers approached these titles as if they were actual stories. Yeah. They had a full production team behind them, you know, for years, veterans, you know, years, decades worth of experience. Netflix, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock on them. Yeah. But they they do some of them do film it as if they're making a movie. But they Again, you know, sometimes they lose control of themselves. They basically overindulge yeah. in uh, excessive. Yeah. So again, you know, you lose control. You don't have restraint. And Disney, Warner Brothers, what makes them, you know, watchable? Because they have quality control. Yeah. Netflix, I can assume, but cannot confirm yeah. that they do not have a person in charge of quality control. Like, or like what you said, JTP. Really? Yeah. It's really sad. If, you, if that is the case, right, I'm <laughs> honestly sad. Not even angry, just sad. Why not? <laughs> like, even Astro has someone to curate. Like, like in terms of content, you know, like in terms of violence and sex, they will probably would not have any quality control. But let's say in terms of uh, the film as a whole, yeah. like the narrative, yeah. you know, I don't think they have it for that. I think they have it for the filmmaking quality, but not for the narrative. If, if that's the case, that means that Netflix is run by... Well, uh, again, we just assume there's no confirmation. Yes. They are being run as a business purely to make money. Not art-driven, but economically driven. And that's the problem, right? Because they're going to create movies that sell, not good movies. Like like the reason movies like Roma mm. and The Irishman and The Ballad of Buster Scruggs on Netflix yeah. originals, reasons they were good was not because of quality control, but because... They actually had good filmmakers yeah. who were their own quality control, yeah. you know, veterans, you know, Coen yeah. Brothers, Scorsese, you know, yeah. they knew what they were doing, so obviously they don't need quality control or yeah. for that. Yeah. But say for movies like Bright, like again, oh, last Bright. I mentioned, yeah, Bright. Uh, <laughs> that's another one. As a sci-fi fan, that movie was, no, no, just no. so much no. All lives don't matter. <laughs> that silence. That silence. Yeah. Again, you know, another thing. Uh, he mentioned a quiet place and bird box. Netflix made a ripoff of bird box called The Silence, which is a completely horrible movie. Please do not watch it. Apparently a guy you'll see some of the worst acting ever by a guy who just fell down a cliff in a car. The, just yeah. go YouTube it yeah, Just YouTube. go YouTube yeah, it no, no, no. Some things you don't need. You don't need <laughs> us to tell you. Just go and Google it, and you. I, I was laughing with that scene. Right? That, was, that was so funny. It wasn't meant to be funny at all, but it was so funny. <sighs> but yeah, again, you know, like I said, no call, no quality control. And that movie just now I mentioned, The Silence. That that director made Annabelle one, and Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mm. So you know, again, you know, no, no. How did he even? You know how many filmmakers out there are struggling to even get their script approved <laughs> or funded and yet these people are getting their movies funded it does not compute with me No restrictions, complete directorial vision you know, whether it's from an auteur or from questionable Good and bad yeah, right? Good, at the end of the day it's bad, good yeah. and bad yeah. But I just, that's, that's what I'm saying I just really wish that Netflix just get keep a little bit do a little bit of quality control. I'm I'm against sense total censorship. I don't like that. Yeah, I'm against but it too. I really believe that someone should curate a little bit, or at least just try to encourage the viewers to watch quality stuff, not the rubbish. I can't. I can't. And it's really sad. Like just now, you were saying that anyone gets a chance on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Literally anyone. 
so much so that now in Southeast Asia or at least in Malaysia we've seen quite a few local movies get on Netflix right it's a good thing it's we, a good thing we, because yeah. especially since these versions of Malaysian movies that are on Netflix they're the uncut yeah. uncensored versions that their directors originally intended yeah. the ones we got in cinemas were quite censored yeah. if you didn't know a lot of well the good movies that came out in Malaysia lo- the local movies that came out recently the good ones a lot of them failed to be funded locally so what the directors or the filmmakers the team have to do is they have to go overseas to the international audience get funded overseas prove themselves there win certain indie awards then come back to Malaysia and show to the people here that hey look our movies are worth funding and then only Local authorities will fund the local filmmakers. I mean, not not all of them. Though. I think some. Yeah, not all. Some 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 of them were you know yeah. local successes. Then they moved on to Netflix, like Munaflik. But uh, I'm not sure whether it's completely it's the theatrical version or a little bit more or a version which is which is a bit more violent. Yeah, but I mean it's really sad because when when they go overseas and they come back. Even though that the movie has, their story has proved itself that it's a good story to tell, our local authorities will still tell them, "Hey, um, like for example, if you ever watch Mantu Jaga, mm. at the very end of very it, good film, yeah, it's a good film about police and gangsters, Mantu mm. Jaga, even Fly By Night." At the end of the film, because in the Malaysian law, filmmaking law, the police has to be good, mm. no matter what. The police cannot be bad. Yeah. So in Mantu Jaga, the original ending, if I get this right. I can't remember because it's been a while. The police were not proven good. They were proven corrupt. Yeah. But it was a success. They. It's almost like infinite affairs, you know. And then when they come to Malaysia, the authorities demanded that they change the ending to say that the police were good in the end. Still a decent movie, yeah. but not the director's vision. I did, wouldn't say that the ending, the theatrical ending here, said the police was good in the end. It just says Implied. that. The, it just says that the bad cops were just caught. That's it. It's yeah, just a little sentence. Still, yeah, that's the thing. It's so half-assed, right? Yeah. It's, it's just a sentence that says, oh, good cop got caught. Sure, you can yeah. actually tell that the filmmakers are like, sure, if you need to add this line, we just add it at the very end of the movie. I cannot imagine what uh, the director, Nam Lon, I cannot imagine what he was thinking when he probably put in that line there. In the Netflix version, there's no such line. Yeah. So it's a lot more ambiguous and it makes... But that's um, the whole point of the yeah, show, the ambiguity yeah. of good and bad. Mm-hmm. But in Malaysia, no, we cannot have ambiguity. We must have clear black and white lines, you know. No such thing as ambiguity. We wouldn't want people to think now, would we? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, I'm not knocking Queen by the way. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, then again, so when these movies go onto Netflix, right? Yeah, we're like shouting, yeah, woo, our Malayalika movie is on Netflix. But you just think about it, right? Have you ever seen them on your Netflix homepage screen? Never. Even though if you go to the recommended movies, the Asian films, you get K dramas, you don't get the local movies. Can I tell you a story? Yeah. <laughs> like okay, my dad he recently got into the Netflix group. Yeah. I actually like in like I set up the Netflix for him on my own Blu-ray player back in Penang. Yeah. So he 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 knows how to browse through Netflix now. So one day I was browsing with him. His favorite genre of movie, mm. my guilty pleasure, the old, old school action. action. Yeah. So when we went to the action adventure tab. Yeah. To imagine my surprise when I saw Pascal there cool. next to Eraser and Executive yeah. Decision. But again, cool to see it ranked up with the grades. But again, like like I mentioned earlier, I have to go out of my way to find it. Yeah. You know, it's not pop in your face yeah. there, you know. So that's why some gatekeeping will come into play here. Hmm. Let's say if I'm gonna do the job for Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> More than happy to help you curate. But you see this is the problem, right? You know that your audience is in the so let's say if they are searching for an action movie like what they did mm. then of course I wouldn't put Pascal up there with the grades I mean as much as I love local movies I want to support them but you just can't now, okay so what you can do is put a list of top 10 greatest action movie and then right below that put la you know local mm. movies yeah. and then put it all there <laughs> why not you know <sighs> It's just about curation, you know, it's about arranging how you display certain films next to each another and it really will affect in, uh, people's True. choices. Vira uh, is also there by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I think people will probably watch it because it has the bad guy from the raid in it. Yeah. That's the biggest selling point. Yeah. 
but yeah, again, you know, it's good to see more Malaysian films be put up in this platform yeah. so the whole world can see. I'm actually quite happy with that and the uncut versions. The, yes, the whole world can see, but there's so much noise on Netflix. The question is, will they even see? So for every for every one two jangas, there's about ten three hundred sixty five days yeah. circling. And in. the thing is, Netflix will push three hundred sixty five days. Oh, good. Lord. So that's that's the problem yeah. here. I mean, I'm very happy that there is a platform where you can get more eyes, mm. but. How will a small local movie get more eyes when they have to compete with Sandra Bullock in True. a lousy movie? True, so that's that's where gatekeeping and curation should come into play to better recommend better movies to people. <laughs> you know, not control but persuade or encourage better quality content. It's such a fine line to tread. There's no clear answers at the moment because nothing it looks like it's being because done. Pe- because people watch the same stuff every single time. Like, uh, if not the same movie, then the same genre. And that's Netflix, they just see a pattern. Right. And they look at that pattern and say, that's what we need to keep doing right now. And then they repeat, repeat, repeat. Whereas, you know, cinemas, they have a season, you know? Yeah. Fall. Uh, sorry, not fall. Now it's like summer. Summer movie season is always the big blockbuster, yeah. and then autumn will be the love. Mm. So we get kind of crappy, but not really crappy movies, and then we get the start of all the Oscar award-winning yeah. movies. December, Christmas, yeah. holiday season, we get some big movies, yeah. you know, like Lord of the Rings, Batman, yeah. and then of course let's not talk about January. January is the forbidden month. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's a cycle. They have certain uh, genres come out at you know certain times of the year. Yeah. You know, it fits with the period At least, if not with America Then with the rest of the world You know, even Malaysia They, they, they realise uh, You know, how big Summer movie season can be yeah. in America So they release their own big movies in July No yeah. problem with that You know, it's a little Healthy competition Netflix And to some extent Some of the streaming services They don't do that It's just a free for all Everybody's releasing everything At one yeah. go So it's like You know, you don't know what to choose. You know, there's there's like a horror movie, and then there's an action movie, yes. and then there's a you know a, a teen romantic drama, all at the same time. Yeah. Everything's all mixed up. The noise you, is yeah. so much. So that's why the argument here is that these small movies do they even get a chance, even mm. though they are on a platform that can reach millions, right? Is Netflix going to market that small movie for them? I don't think so. Not definitely un- no. Not unless one of the stars suddenly hit it hits it yeah. big. They won't. They will not market like a Malaysian movie unless like doesn't say suddenly one of the actors is a big star name. Mm. Then maybe they will. But if not, they're just gonna put it up. They're probably gonna pay the filmmakers a few thousand women now. So oh, and that's about it. I mean yeah, you get a platform that people can view it, but whether people will is another question to be asked there. Uh my God. But the thing is not just let's not forget we also have a lot of streaming services here in our homeland too, you know, like iFlix and yeah. VU yeah. and uh, Dim Sum. These yes. especially VU and iFlix, these two are on the rise though. I think iFlix is right right now being mixed up in some sort of controversy with yeah. one of their movies. But again, you know, again they are starting to create their own original content. Yeah. Not to say feature films yet, I yeah. think that's a big stretch, yeah. but their own series. Yeah. So again, we I think everybody's getting into the streaming game. I, I think it's more of jumping on a bandwagon than anything. Wow. <laughs> really, because let's say if this local or well Asian streaming platforms, right, they're gonna charge you what five ringgit a month? Because Netflix is charging twenty. Thirty. Thirty. I mean, I I'm paying forty a month. Yeah. So okay, forty a month, hmm. and then the Asian one, they definitely cannot charge as much as Netflix. Hmm. And they're trying to produce their own content. Right. Netflix there earns USD, mm. which has so much more value than the Asian uh, dollars here. So let's say if a local studio like, yeah, I have this original series idea that I want to do, and Netflix heard about it. Then let's say the smaller like, iFlix or View has been working with them, and Netflix comes in and says, like, hey, look, I'm going to give you more money, and I give you a chance to reach more audience. Oh. So you see, right. it's really tough. I'm not saying it's it's great to have more localized content and a short, but then again, the audience here will, will rather pay for the bigger one. So it's a really tough spot. 
I'm not against them against like local streaming platforms but I find it really really tough and mm-hmm. iFlix was almost dying before this merger with yeah, this channel yeah. yeah they were really dying they were bleeding money yeah yeah they made some local content original local content no one watch it and <laughs> they were really bleeding no they can't even pay their filmmakers money which they are owed yeah. you. the, the yeah. film in question is Daulat by the way it's a yeah. political thriller and uh, apparently they have some issues with the not paying the or the filmmakers license fees that they were owed. Yeah. So yeah. Contracts were signed and everything, mm-hmm. but hey, they signed a million dollar deal for ten cents. The owners are getting it, but not the filmmakers who. Just you just don't do that, man. Don't 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 stiff over the filmmakers. Yeah. yeah. I I really feel that all the streaming. Th- for, sorry, to, this is like a huge segue, but this feels like the beginning of apps, where every millionaire out there, yeah. Because when apps started, it was right. a really cheap way to start something and earn big in like a short period of time. Oh, wow. Because the startup cost was so little, just hire a team of coders, create a good app, and you can sell it for millions like a year later. So I really feel that streaming platforms is something like that where the the millionaires has something to play with. And well, streaming platform is in trend now. It's cool to say I own a streaming platform. I wouldn't say trending as it is like the only way to see new movies, new content at the yeah. moment. Because unfortunately, this is the time period we're living in, the age of the yeah. corona. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's a. I'm gonna segue a little bit to what's going on in American cinema. So yeah. I think you know AMC is being. Yeah. Uh, a- AMC is a giant American cinema chain for those uh, who are not in America. And uh, it's it's pretty much dying so because no new movie has been playing there since. They're March not even allowed to run. Man. Yeah, they're not even allowed to run now yeah. because you know major states that have those cinemas have closed down in the US and yeah. key markets in California and New York especially. So those two, if those two are closed, then uh, yeah, well, good luck to them, uh, you know. And uh, it's unfortunate that, that most of the movies, the new movies, have been postponed to next year. Because what we're going to see is possibly a lot of these theatre chains are going to shut down. Yep. You know, if not shut down, then they'll probably be, be bought by independent cinema owners to showcase these studios' new films. But how many people can afford that? Yep. You know, because these were big cinema buildings. You know, like I've been to one of those yep. right in Chicago. They're not cheap to maintain. So. I don't know whether we will have another movie in the US at least that will break the $500 million barrier again mm-hmm. after this. I mean, it's a very somber thought, but, you know, I'm not sure how this will affect big-budget theatrical movies like Top Gun and James Bond down the line. Mm-hmm. You know, for all these streaming movies, arguably there's a future there, at least if not permanent, like what Jovi said, you know, like could be <laughs> could be one of those app inventions. But it's going to be here for quite a while, at least until this whole coronavirus thing goes over. Unfortunate. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> Where do we go? We do not know. What answers do we have? We have no idea. <laughs> but just, just really so much concerns and worries and questions that hmm. has to be raised. And uh, But at least a silver lining, hmm. and I'm going to mention the new Train to Busan movie, Peninsula. Yeah. Okay, first, I did not like that movie. That movie is pretty bad. Com- yeah. Very bad compared to the first movie, like, if you want me to be very honest. <laughs> However, it is a big success financially. I mean, oh, Of course, there's nothing else to watch. I mean, that's one way yeah. to put it. And the name is huge, Train to Busan. Train to Busan, because Train to Busan had a lot of goodwill from the first movie. Yeah. It was very good. Yeah. It still is very good. Yeah. Because, A, like you said, people will go for the brand name. You know, they will still see a movie with Train to Busan in yeah. the title. Yeah. Second part is, they've been longing to see yeah. a new movie, yeah. a new blockbuster in the cinemas. Yeah. And the one I went to, at least even with the restrictions to sit one seat apart from one another, yeah. it was still pretty full. Mm. People and want to go to the cinema. Yeah, and it was very late at night. It was a Friday night at 11pm. Yeah. So it still shows that people still want to go to the movies. And I'm happy that the interest is still there. Just unfortunately for the for most of the world, not right now. Yeah. No. I, the, I think the allure of going to the city mass is definitely still there. Mm-hmm. You can't beat the magic of the big screen, no matter what. Yeah. You just can't. 
and to some degree, some movies, the crowd reaction together with you, you just can't beat that sometimes. Mm. So yeah, that is uh, <laughs> the whole thing about Netflix that uh, we thought about and we really f- just wanted to... I think it's the right time to talk about it, especially if we had, since we spent so much time on Netflix yeah. during the whole lockdown. And instead of ending it, the episode just like that <laughs> in the last one, I, that's actually something that I forgot to do the last time, which is to have one more thing for us to share. Whether it's books, movies, uh, a new restaurant you discovered, or whatever it is. <laughs> Just one extra thing that you want to add on to the show. Yeah. Yeah. I think you better go first. I go, yeah, you yeah. need time to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, for me, it would be The Handmaid's Tale. I watched it during MCO and it is amazing. If you want to talk about streaming platform pushing good content, then I would say Hulu, H-U-L-U, is oh, I think that. British yeah. streaming platform, it right? It's a British streaming platform and they have a series called The Handmaid's Tale. It's based on a book. Margaret Atwood's book is really very good. If you think Game of Thrones is good, Handmaid's Tale is at least two times better. Especially if you take in that it talks about society, that if you look at America right now with what's happening, that movie talks about so much things that we should be talking but we don't dare to talk about. You know, politics, sexism, racism. everything and that series is great Elizabeth Moss is also amazing her acting in there I think when you watch Handmaid's Tale you'll be convinced that she'll win an Oscar in the next few years it won't take her long at the rate that she's going right. Yeah, I rank Handmaid's Tale on the same level or better than Breaking Bad wow yeah, not that's kidding it's a high call yeah. it's not wow. easy to watch because certain topics that they talk about I mean Breaking Bad is full on drama right it's exciting Whereas Handmaid's Tale is very, it provokes you because it makes you think what is right and wrong in this world in a very smart and exciting way because it's a show in the end of the day, it has to be dramatic. So it raises questions that really makes you think because it sends out the right message, it has good entertainment for a show. Handmaid's Tale, I think that is something that everyone should watch. But again, you see, marketing is such a big thing, no one's really talking about it, especially in Malaysia. I think only like 1 out of 10 Malaysians has ever even heard about it not watch right. it so again marketing is such a big thing in all these uh, TV shows and stuff because word of mouth can only get you so far yeah <laughs> yeah that's my one thing to share at the end of the episode I'm going to pick an anime which really changed cool. the way I think about Japanese animation in particular yeah. like okay before this I would think when people talk Japanese anime to me I'm yeah. thinking Oh, uh, Digimon, oh, Pokemon, oh, Dragon Ball, you know, or yeah. at least Samurai X. Samurai X is still good, by the way. It is. But, uh, yeah, after I saw this movie, my perception of anime completely changed. Give me the title. So I'm waiting for you to <laughs> say the title. <laughs> it's a science fiction uh, story. It's actually a remake of a silent film from Germany. Okay. It shares the same name, Metropolis. Ah. So that movie, is a, it wasn't a direct remake. It yeah. was actually an adaptation of the n- graphic novel, the manga, by Osamu Tezuka, considered to be the godfather of manga okay. in Japan. And he took inspiration from Metropolis, but not, not 100% the actual story. Whereas this movie, the 2001 anime film, actually has a lot more in common with the German movie mm. than the comic. So you see a little bit of a combination of both. Now the screenplay, was written by the same guy who did Akira, uh, yeah, Katsuhiro Okada. Yeah, yeah. So you get all these like very childlike drawings, mm. but the story and the action and the animation is so fluid and full of you know techno babble, mm. high tech visions and all that, and you're just left stunned. You know, I I was I was left stunned watching it. I was like, wow, this is a complete vision. I I feel like I'm actually people actually lived and breathed in this world. There's a conspiracy. There's a plot. There's a conspiracy. There's uh, youthful characters. The loss of innocence. It's all covered here, and also the ending of this movie is probably one of my favorite endings to any movie. Like the wow. final, the final, the final ten minutes is just sheer cinema, and I couldn't. I even until now I still can't help but think of the the wow factor that it left. Wow. Yeah. 
Exactly. Like how many movies that you watch or how yeah. many shows that you watch that's really high right. grade because when the ending came up you know people think of like anime like okay some animes have great endings like you know like Neon Genesis Evangelion yeah. or Princess Mononoke yeah. even people will think oh the epic anime series movie like Digimon or uh, Dragon Ball I wasn't comparing it to that I was comparing it to Kubrick's Doctor Strangelove Wow. So uh, not spoiling anything. Uh, that wow. that ending has that level of uh, power for me. Metropolis. Metropolis. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I would say well, not many people have seen it because no, you know, I haven't even heard about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty niche, to say the least. But I started watching that after a certain director put his blurb out there saying mm. that this is a must see. Images will stay from this movie will stay with you forever. I will oh. remember his quote. That director oh. is James Cameron. Wow. <laughs> so probably right. see some influences in Avatar sequel. Right, right. James Cameron, he himself is an anime fan, so yeah, he not surprised if it's coming from him. Yeah, it's really good concept sometimes. Yeah, but yeah, Metropolis, an amazing movie, one of the best anime movies I've ever seen. Copyright. I think at this rate, you don't even need to say anime movies. Just say movie. best. Yeah, movies. one of the yeah. one of the best Just animated keep. films. Period. Yeah. That I've ever seen. <laughs> so okay, um, that is another episode done. I hope the next time you really have the mic for real. <laughs> Thank you for listening again. And yeah, we're signing off like that. Ciao. <laughs>